Let us pray. As farmers prepare for the harvest, O God, we begin to plant. For all that is new and challenging and exciting, in new courses and new books and new experiments, we give you thanks for this season of growth. For our friendships new and renewed, we give you praise for the joy of community. But growth is sometimes awkward and often difficult. Where there is anxiety and fear, grant your peace. While we cannot fully anticipate or appreciate the eventual harvest of this planting, we trust in your never-failing grace and care. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to St. Olaf's opening convocation. I am pleased to introduce the president of the Student Government Association, Emma Lind, who will deliver the welcome address. A native of Iowa, Emma sings in the chapel choir and has served in the SGA for three years. Emma is majoring in psychology and also has an independent major in international human rights. This year, she is a resident of the Table Honor House, which is dedicated to bringing people together over a meal to discuss difficult issues. As SGA president, she wants students to know that she welcomes conversation. This past summer, Emma interned at the Department of Justice in the Environment and Natural Resources Division, working on a project related to environmental justice. Her task was to review the legal language used in past environmental cases to identify precedents that may be relevant for future cases. Today, Emma will be speaking on building bridges. Please join me in welcoming Emma Lind, class of 2017. Thank you, Provost Sorter. Good morning. I love this time of year. Whether it's the first day of kindergarten, the first day of college, or the first day of teaching, there is something so exhilarating about the first day of classes. A certain level of hope and anticipation of the upcoming year is, is heightened by classic St. Olaf first, such as seeing the wind turbine as you're driving down Highway 19 for the first time, getting close enough to see Oli's outline on the, on the water tower, and waking up the first morning on campus to smell the chocolatey, chocolatey aroma of Malto meal. These experiences are snapshots of life on the hill. When I think of St. Olaf, I think of a multifaceted community full of compassion, dedicated and hardworking people, and really good calf food. But even more than that, I see St. Olaf as a community and the business of building bridges. Now, bear with me here, I do not mean that literally. But in, in order to fully explain this, I must first give a little bit of a background. I was first introduced to the concept of bridge building by my granddad. My granddad was an extraordinary man who worked every day to improve the lives of others through communication and kindness. He had an infectious smile, a booming laugh, and the gift of always looking to the future, 
even if it was to ask what he, was, he would be eating for the next meal. This unique forward-looking mindset is something that I loved about Grandad and something that I have found within the St. Olaf community. It is a quality best embodied in a poem that he always carried in his pocket, titled The Bridge Builder by Will Allen Drumgool. This poem describes an old man working hard to cross a river. Once he has crossed safely, he takes the time and effort to build a bridge for future passersby. In doing so, he faces opposition from his peers. The poem reads, Old man, said a pilgrim near, you are wasting your strength with building here. The bridge builder responds, good friend in the path I have come. There followed after me today a youth whose feet must pass this way. This chasm that has been as not to me, to a fair-haired youth may a pitfall be. He too must cross in the twilight dim. Good friend, I am building this bridge for him. Just as I admire my granddad's ability to build bridges, I am consistently humbled by the Ole community's continuous efforts to improve the lives of future passersby. The college's new solar energy initiative will pave the way for a more energy efficient, environmentally friendly campus. In the past six months, St. Olaf and its community has taken significant steps to keeping current and future Oles as safe as possible by bringing sexual assault and rape to the forefront of campus consciousness and emphasizing the importance of consent. As we begin a journey into a new school year, I ask you to wait, think of ways that you too can build bridges for future passersby. This may take the form of a large gesture, such as advocating for representation on the Student Senate. A group of students approached Senate last year and diligently lobbied for a senator representing the interests of the LGBTQTIA community. Because of their passionate advocacy, the first gender and sexuality senator will sit on Senate this fall. While large gestures are certainly effective, the smallest connections may mean just as much and may have just as big of an impact. For example, writing a simple handwritten note to someone can really make their day a lot easier. I remember receiving a note card from a girl I barely knew my freshman year with song lyrics. And now she is my roommate and one of my best friends. This, her simple gesture built a bridge for our lifelong friendship. Building bridges isn't always easy, but it is always worth it. Think about the people who will be sitting in this room one year from now. Think about the people who will be sitting in this room 20 years from now. I can't wait to see what this year has in store for us. Thank you. Thank you, Emma. Good morning. It is a great day at St. Olaf because today we are celebrating the fact that as this college begins its 143rd year, we are carbon neutral with respect to all of our electricity use. And while this is a righteous thing to celebrate, it's important to note that students, faculty, and staff have given serious and meaningful attention to campus sustainability for many years at this college. So that the fruit that the Solar Garden has brought us today 
constitutes just one of many college sustainability initiatives that are longstanding. For example, the natural lands just west of campus are habitats restored on land owned by the college, much of it held in a permanent conservation easement. And I encourage all our new first-year students to find an opportunity early in the semester, like this beautiful weekend that's coming up, to explore that wonderful resource. We recycle and compost nearly all of the food waste generated on campus, and all of that compost is used on college-owned land, including around the plantings and so forth on the campus green. Bon Appetit, our food service provider, is committed to sourcing as much of the food served on campus as possible from local producers, one of whom is Stogro, student-run organic farm, also west of campus, that provides food products directly to Bon Appetit and that are then served in the calf. Regents Hall of Natural and Mathematical Sciences was designed and constructed as our first LEED Platinum facility and our comprehensive program of renovating residence halls and academic buildings on campus has vastly increased the efficiency of those buildings through new generation windows, insulation in walls and roofs, and a host of other improvements. Since 2001, we have increased the square footage of buildings on campus by 300,000 square feet, and our overall energy consumption has gone up by one half of 1%. Sustainability is woven throughout the curriculum of the college. The academic study of sustainability takes place in classes in the humanities, the social sciences, the arts, sciences, and mathematics. So, in celebrating carbon neutrality today, we are really celebrating all of the visioning and doing over the years that has made the college a national leader in higher education, in modeling how to do sustainability. This isn't the end of the journey, but rather one more milestone on a long road that lies ahead. So today we'll hear some reflections on this moment in the life of the college. First, some facts about the history of electrification at St. Olaf from one of the leaders of the college's sustainability initiatives, Professor Paul Jackson in the chemistry department. And following Professor Jackson, we'll hear from another one of our campus leaders in sustainability, our visionary assistant vice president for facilities, Pete Sandberg. So, to begin, Professor Jackson. As a community, we gathered to celebrate this milestone for St. Olaf College, to joyfully anticipate a new academic year, and to recognize that our critical thinking, creativity, courage, and actions today build on those same attributes of yesterday and are guided by the hope and the promise of tomorrow. With the construction of a community solar garden near the Northfield Hospital, subscriptions to other solar gardens and wind turbines are electrical fuel sources collectively known as the sun <laughs> provides carbon-free electricity. Electricity is a contested topic and throughout the college's history, its members strove to practice stewardship of dollars, of place, and of global resources, at times falling down and at others finding a way back up. Join me on a journey to two historic moments in electrical energy generation and use at the college. Others are noted on the timeline found in the back of your program. 1905. 
A growing campus moves the college to add electrical capacity to do its work. Courage and forward thinking results in a decision to generate and distribute electricity and heat from a central plant. Chemist, professor, and treasurer, Paul M. Glasso, leads the effort. The target, the five o'clock Founders Day celebratory dinner, well before the 7.30 candle illumination of Old Main. Imagine the anticipation on that early November day 111 years ago. The Northfield News reported that the electricians had been working industriously all day to get the steam-driven dynamo spinning in the power plant. Timing didn't happen as planned. Elise Itterbo, charged with serving supper in place of the usual ice cream to a few hundred visitors, faculty, and outside boarders, writes about the event in a letter to Agnes Kittlesby. Quote, the bill of fare was to be plain and not extravagant. Warmed scalloped oysters, vegetable salad, olives, pickles, raspberry jam, and fruitcake. I was going to start serving when lo and behold, no lights. Glasso wanted to try the lights for the first time. We waited and waited. You should have seen the place when the lights finally came on at 6.15. Imagine the oysters done for over an hour and the coffee ditto." End quote. <laughs> the student perspective was a bit different. Andrew Roberg, class of 1910, wrote, quote, we had light from the current made by the dynamo up here. The globes all over the building were changed for the new ones as the current is much stronger now. They are not so stingy with the light." End quote. <laughs> For over a half a century, the college generated the heat and electricity it would use, all from burning coal and converting water into steam. In the 1960s, electric generation stopped and the campus connected to the grid, and the boilers were converted to burn fuel oil and natural gas. Fast forward a few years, 1973. The reliable electricity and inexpensive fuel supplies no longer exist. On November 19th, the college learns it would receive at most 85% of its fuel allocation. Serious efforts to reduce fuel and electrical use begin with the outcome uncertain. No precedent for energy conservation existed in recent memory. Business manager Duran Quingen wrote, the, quote, the decision was made after a series of meetings with various faculty committees and the faculty as a whole to dismiss classes five days early in December and start interim six days later. The results were impressive. 25.5% reduction for January over the past year with 7% colder temperatures. End quote. In February 1974, the college received notice of a sixth fuel oil price increase, a 218% jump in one year's time. Mr. Kringen penned, quote, this indicated several things. One, that we have been wasteful. And two, that we could function with very little discomfort at lower levels of temperature and lighting, end quote. These stories inspire me. 
When people unite in common mission, an enormous amount of good work happens. Today, we can choose to see and to be change that provides hope for the future and to seize opportunities to unite in the midst of tensions. For the first time, non-hydropower renewables generate 10% of the United States electric supply. And last year's Paris Agreement brought hope to reduce global carbon emissions. Citizens, institutions, innovators, businesses, cities, and nations are acting on what Nobel Prize winning Swedish chemist Savante Arrhenius first published in 1896, the quantitative framework for the contribution of carbon dioxide to the greenhouse effect and the role of carbon dioxide in long-term climate variations. We have opportunities to do good work and to answer the call to be stewards of creation. In food, water, and the energy, we are powered by the sun. As a learning community, we come together to address these and other challenges rooted in our past and present and inspired by a vision for a more just, sustainable, equitable future for all living things. A vision that requires us to think creatively, embrace creativity, critically evaluate, learn continually, and summage the courage to act in this year and in the years to come. Thanks, Paul. Uh, it's a real honor to be with you all here today. It's a very important day in the academic year of the college. And uh, I just say that absent regalia to signify rank for me, I went with uh, my loudest Jerry Garcia tie and a Harley Davidson tie tack. So, <laughs> thanks. Okay, in 1956, 60 years ago, Bell Telephone System started a series of accessible science education television programs on the Bell Science Hour. Two, episode, two episodes in particular relate to our energy work and this event in particular. And I saw the first, which is our Mr. Sun, as a third grader in 1956. Um, Character Dr. Research was portrayed by Professor Frank Baxter from UCLA, who was all the way through the series, played um, against a cast of animated characters, including Father Tom, Time and Mr. Sun. And then in 1958, The Unchained Goddess, an episode about weather, came and provided an elegant explanation of the way the sun and Earth's rotation caused the wind that we've been harvesting for 10 years now. But it also clearly explained the future impacts our energy use could have on the atmosphere and so the Earth. When these programs were aired, they were prime time, the entire country stopped, families gathered around TV sets at home or in groups with neighbors, and sat spellbound learning more science than very many Americans know today, 60 years later. At St. Olaf, we see motivated and ingenious students and faculty every day thinking about the teaching and learning of science, and it can be easy for us to be a little oblivious about the rest of the world. We can imagine that everyone knows what we know and see every day. 
Yet, in the news and social media, we see members of Congress, business executives, political candidates of all kinds, and our crazy uncles denying the climate change that we see around us every day. So in Mr. Sun, the characters talked about something new, a solar battery, which is really a, a small coated silicon disc with electrodes on each side that produced light um, when exposed, that produced measurable current when exposed to light. It was a tiny solar cell, and they showed many futuristic applications, including solar-powered ships, cars, homes, and even an airplane. Last year, 59 years later, we know that Solar Impulse 2, which is a photovoltaic and lithium-ion battery-powered airplane, circumnavigated the globe at about 45 to 50 miles an hour, including a single leg from Hawaii to the mainland of over 5,000 miles. So they had to go through a couple of nights. And we are seeing commercially viable development of distributed photovoltaic generation today. And including, if you live in Moen Hall, you can see 40 acres of five megawatts um, off the northwest corner on St. Olaf land. So along the way, Father Time made a bold prediction. I predict that man's next great adventure will be the Sun Age. When that happens, you will be rich beyond all dreams. I predict great sun cities built on desert wasteland where everything is run by sunlight. As Professor Jackson just told us, we've known about potential climate problems for over a century. And we've also known about alternative power sources that could have been helping to mitigate those issues for decades, but we have barely gotten started on these solar cities yet. So you know, hopes to do all sorts of things to sustain our mission in place, the right things for us. And if we do our jobs well and get at these right things, and implement them, our friends and families can know that we take stewardship of the resources they bring to us seriously. So our facilities group's goal is to operate the campus while emitting the least carbon practical without increasing overall operating costs. So practical is an important word there. Possible could be very expensive. We're here to prepare young women and men to go out and serve the world. And we spend more than we have to on any one thing. Every other thing is impacted negatively. So the history of electrification we just heard is an example of St. Olaf creativity and stewardship that is ongoing. Carbon emitted per student has been down 26% since 2001, even as the college opened 300,000 new square feet of space. Our electricity consumption dropped, and we're purchasing 20% less electricity than we were previously. Going forward, we need to keep looking for ideas like those that made all this possible in order to develop even better efficiencies. One of our guiding ideas is that buildings consume energy, do, do not consume energy, I'm sorry. People and programs consume the energy. Buildings can determine how much, but we create the demand for energy. Faculty, students, staff, builders, and designers came together to plan Regents Hall by building intentionally and creatively and making our own renewable power, energy cost at Regents is $600,000 less each year than if it had been built just to the Minnesota Energy Code and gotten its power from the utility. And this is 
an every year savings. We always need to maintain a holistic view of people, programs, and space as physical development is needed so that the spaces we do build serve program and mission, are great places to learn and work, and consume only the resources to support all that. Many more people came together in this way to help us get to this day that we're celebrating. So St. Olaf has now subscribed to Minnesota Community Solar Gardens that will produce 14,250,000 kilowatt hours annually, which is our annual purchase. Some are with Berkshire Hathaway Energy, so we're working with a certain wizard from Omaha in a small way. Um, we got started with those through Geronimo Energy and then BHE acquired them. And others with NRG, which is a large commercial generator that started in Minnesota. We selected them because they have committed to reducing their carbon emissions by 90% by the year 2050. So Excel gives us a credit for the power and another for the renewable energy credits attributed to the subscriptions on our bill. We turn most of the credit around to pay the developers of the community solar gardens. So the great big idea involved in this is that our subscriptions and other people's subscriptions actually fund directly the construction of renewable photovoltaic generation. We could have purchased offsets long ago, but costs would have been higher, and that's a goal to keep them neutral, and it'd be hard to point at new generation funded by that effort. So now that we're fully subscribed, we committed to Excel's wind source carbon-free electric program last week. And we can uncynically say that we are one of the largest community solar garden subscribers in the state. Our subscriptions are funding the construction of 11 megawatts of photovoltaic generation. The solar garden net credit and the increased land rent for the solar gardens we're hosting We'll go to help fund the other operations of the college. Our purchased electricity is carbon free and we are the largest wind source pro customer in the state. Today, with all that in play, carbon per student is 47% less than in 2001. And it's one of the lowest numbers on any campus in the country. So the question is, where do we go from here? There's a foreseeable future in which St. Olaf could make use of the sun to produce the heating fuels that we need on college property with no negative carbon impact. There's work going on around the globe, including at the Solar Energy Laboratory at the University of Minnesota, and scientists are working on solar heated and so renewable thermochemical reactors to convert CO2 and water into fuels. So this process is about 1% efficient now, and it's been calculated that when it reaches 15% efficiency, one square kilometer, that's 247 acres, St. Olaf owns over 1,000, could produce the heating fuels we need for our 2 million square feet of campus. So it's altogether possible that the earlier prediction from our Mr. Sun may come true. I predict great sun cities where everything is run by sunlight. So our framework plan already shows some of the land north of the campus being used to make renewable fuels in the future. 
and that evolved before this generation of planning came along. So it's reasonable to imagine that we'll be able to do this in, in a time we can, we can see. So I spoke a little bit about finding and doing the right things for St. Olaf. And I came across uh, this from Aristotle. And it says, we do not act rightly because we have virtue or excellence, but we rather have those because we have acted rightly. And I think that really kind of sums up uh, the way we are going at St. Olaf College. So thanks very much. Thank you, Paul, and thank you, Pete. In a moment, I will invite you to stand as you're able to sing the college hymn and ask that you remain standing for the benediction and then the recession, reception to follow in the crossroads. Please rise. May God, who creates us and breathes new life into us, bless and keep you this day and always. Amen. <laughs>